0: Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by a wonderful company, Creation to Revelation. This group of Christians believe it is extremely important that we teach the Word of God to our kids. They have original graphic illustrations from the beginning of the Bible to the end, featuring the beautiful and consistent presence of Jesus throughout. You can explore all of that at creation 2 I'm so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back once again. I'm glad you're here. I think it's safe to say I'm a little extra excited about today's content. There are a few reasons for that. Number one, I can think of nothing that gets me more fired up than conversations about faith specifically what it would look like and feel like to take all fear barriers off of how deeply and completely we placed our trust in God. Number two, I'm learning things, even passages that we've read a hundred times, like today featuring Hebrews 11. I am learning and emotionally internalizing new things, powerful things about faith, and nothing excites me more than getting to share that with you. And number three, and finally, without a doubt, today's content and trying to explain it in a way that will help probably has a higher degree of difficulty on my end than much of what we've covered this year. So today could just as easily be a fail as a success, and I kind of like that feeling. So let's begin by talking about the term limitless faith. It's not a Bible term exactly, but I hope that it captivates a very common Bible idea. I know that you and I are interested in the faith that moves mountains, the faith that overcomes fear, faith that accesses what the world considers impossible, faith that knows no boundaries and is excited about the unknown outside of our comfort zones. I want faith like that, and I know that you do as well. So let me begin with this question. Given the little head start that I provided, what is limitless faith to you? If you and I were sitting at lunch somewhere, I would love to hear your answer. But as it is, let me tell you what I believe your answer would be, or at least what it ought to be. If you have listened to the earlier episode this season, Grace to Faith to Life, I hope that your answer would begin with God. It may not begin talking about you at all, maybe not even your ability to believe or trust common words for faith. Maybe you would start by saying Let me tell you about God. Our God has no limits. He has all power to create and to destroy in an instant. The great creator of this universe has all knowledge. He knows everything, everything that was and is and will be. God is the only source of truth because he is wisdom and God is everywhere. He sees all things because he is in every place. By his very nature, before I was ever born, God is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. But that's not even the half of it. God is the great loving grace giver. God provides help and compassion and favor. God is a cleanser. He is a qualifier. He is my Savior. Our great father demonstrated all of this by sending his son Jesus to shed perfect blood to make righteousness possible through his only begotten son. That son who is also God took his life back again and is using it, sitting at the father's right hand, protecting us as a limitless, all-powerful king, as he also serves daily as my high priest, along with the Holy Spirit, working as an intercessor between me and the Father. From them is sourced all that is good, and all that is good is possible. Nothing is impossible with God. What is limitless faith in me? Well, I'll tell you what it is not. It is not my power to create or destroy. It is not my knowledge of all that is right. And it is certainly not my ability to be everywhere and see everything. It is not my sinless life, my perfect blood, or my righteousness. It is not my resurrection or rule or glory. It is my simple, limited willingness to believe in God. Limitless faith is a fully saturated spiritual position of being filled with with confidence in all of what God is and who God is and what he can do. And if I can open the eyes of my heart to just take in this limitless nature of God, and I am even limited to do that, it transforms me to a place of great love and dependency upon him. I get stronger and wiser and better, but that's not about my power and its limitless awesomeness. It is about His might and glory living in my heart. Certainly limitless faith in me will be exhibited by actions, by obedience, and even kind of extraordinary accomplishments, but they are never sourced in my ability, my power, or my achievement. They are God at work in me and through me as the result of my trust in Him. Okay, in warm-ups in the car on the way here, my answer to that question took about 20 seconds. I can see I blew well past that. But I really want to overwhelm you with thought that all that is good and all that is possible and all that will be great is sourced in, fueled by, and because of the great God who loves you. Okay, so let me ask a second question, a follow-up to what is limitless faith. And I will tell you ahead of time, this is a trap I am trying to lure you into a snare that gets you out of sequence, a place where I have been frequently. So my question to you is this, if you know what limitless faith is and how great that it can be, what can you do to build a faith like that? Now here's where it gets interesting, because if you even attempt to answer that question, I think I've got you where I want you. A me of not very many years ago would most certainly attempt to answer that question, and it would all be sourced in the things that I am going to do. I can most certainly build greater faith, and here is how I will do it. I will read the Bible more, and I will read it better. I will pray more, and I will pray better. I will worship more, and I will worship better. I will trust God more and better. I will do more and better. Basically, I will just go out, and I will faith better and God will see all of that and he will reward it. Now, here's the problem with all of that. It gets things out of sequence again. Now I'm back to this idea that better is a simple formula that starts with me. Me doing things better on the inside. So I'll start with me doing faith better. And then I'll go out and I'll do life better. So it's faith first, then life, and as a result of that, God will bless me. He will reward me because of it. I don't know if you can already hear it in the episode, but this concept does not work. It has led many people to a form of depression or at least a lack of confidence and even all-out apostasy. Can you tell why? Because everything that is limitless and amazing is dependent on what I have the ability to do and think and change first. And if there is one word that will never be used to describe me, and I would suppose you as well, it is limitless. I am woefully limited. My faith grows, and I do read the Bible and pray and try to serve, but it's all very incremental, you know? Two steps forward, one step back. If everything depends on me, on my own, reaching new heights to in some way earn favor from the Lord, I can already tell you from life experience that I cannot do it. I am not able. It's like standing in front of a podium that's 10 feet tall, being told, if you'll just leap up on top of that thing, God will do incredible things in your life. And then I stare at it every day, knowing that I can't do it. So maybe I go on behaving like things are okay, but I know I can't do it. I know I'm not strong enough. I will not get to a place where God will reward me. And so maybe I keep going to church, but I live out my life without much confidence that God would actually save me because I just haven't achieved enough. This has led to people leaving the Lord. I mean, if you think that here's the way it works, you get better on the inside, figure it out. You get better on the outside, figure it out. And then God will come in and begin to do things. But you know that you're not even capable of that. And if that's what God requires up front, then you're not good enough to be one of his. So why even try? I'll say this again as one of those caveats I need to throw in. I don't know any preacher that's ever preached it that way, but there have been plenty who've left auditoriums with that impression. So what I want to do in the back half of this episode is take you to Hebrews 11 and show you a better way, God's way, a way that begins with God and leads to limitless expectations because he is the power behind it, not you. That chapter opens in the New American Standard in this way. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. I want you to see right away that the definition of faith is not the works that faith produces. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Faith, in whatever capacity you possess it, is your hope and expectation in the promises and capabilities and workings of God. They gained approval because they believed in his promises and that with him, anything is possible. Why did they believe that? Well, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Again, faith doesn't start by doing things to show its internal integrity. It simply understands, opens up the eyes of your heart to believe that God made everything and that he exists beyond all that is visible. Verse 6, a well-known passage, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Again, the fundamental fibers of great faith are turning to God and believing that he exists, and he is a rewarder. Not of those who have extraordinary skill to demonstrate something amazing on their own, but those who have the extraordinary humility and willingness to turn to and seek him. Now, if you know much about Hebrews 11, you know that there is a lot of great behavior in that chapter. There were men and women who did amazing things. And I think in part because the way we process success as personal achievement, many of us have equated faith with the works that are produced by it. And I think it is crucial that you do not conflate those two things. For instance, whenever I study Romans with a class, we get to chapter 4, and it talks about Abraham's faith for an entire chapter, and I ask this question early on in class. I've been doing this for 15 years. Tell me about Abraham's great faith. And you know what? Not many people start by telling me about God, God's presence and promises and assurances and capabilities. They often begin by giving me a list of all of the things that Abraham did. Let me tell you about Abraham's limitless faith. He left his homeland. He was circumcised as an adult. He sent away his first son, Ishmael. He offered his son Isaac on the altar. And look, that is a beautiful list. And Hebrews 11 adds a lot more things by varied characters. But those actions are not his faith. They are the things that became possible because of his faith. If we miss this, then we'll hear sermons about limitless faith and amazing lives and we'll go out and work as hard as we can to find it, achieve it, and prove it. But the truth is, faith is believing in God. That's what Romans 4 is about. Abraham believed God. When God said something, Abraham had opened his heart to receive it as absolute, as gospel, as more real than anything else on this earth. It all began with a relationship that God made possible by his grace and by his love. It was a relationship built upon God's promises to Abraham and the way that believing those promises completely reshaped his life. And yes, by that I mean obedience and proving that faith through behavior, even extreme and nearly unbelievable things like offering his son on an altar. The faith wasn't the lifting of the blade. The faith was the belief that God could bring his son immediately back to life and that God had already promised a lineage through this boy. And those things enabled him to lift that blade. I actually want to give you three examples from early in Hebrews 11. Abraham will be one of them, but it starts with Noah. Do you remember Hebrews 11:7? By faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Now, we can talk about what Noah did. It was amazing. He built an ark, and it took him something like a hundred years to do it. But that is not the beginning of this story. In fact, the true beginning of this story in Genesis is that Noah found favor or grace in the eyes of God before the first gopher tree was ever cut down. God came to him by grace and made a promise. I am warning you that I'm going to judge this world and I will save the righteous on that day and condemn the wicked. If you believe me, then build an ark. I contend that Noah got up every morning and prayed something like this. God, you are all powerful. Every word you promise is absolute and true. You have told me what is coming. It has never happened before. And yet I believe it as if I'd seen it a hundred times. Today, I offer my life to put one board with the other and move forward in obedience, doing something that the world thinks is impossible, preparing for a day that the world believes will never happen, because you are the God of possible, and I believe in you. I would just say this to you. Maybe God wants you to build an ark, take your whole life, and do extraordinary things this world has never seen. There will be a part of you that says you're not strong enough and you're not good enough and you can't do that. But God has not asked you to be any of those things. He has asked you to build the kind of relationship with him that his promises become your reality. He has asked you to believe that he is with you and he has no limitations. So if you're acting in his name, you shouldn't either. The second story is about Abraham, verse 8. When he was called, he obeyed. He went out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance. He went to a place that he had never been before. He actually lived out his life sojourning there as a stranger, and it wasn't realized in his family for hundreds of years later. But just understand, he didn't obey because he was just an incredible obeyer. He obeyed as the natural reaction to hearing the promise of God that the land would be his and believing it. I hope you're seeing this. Faithful living is the natural production of a life that believes in a faithful God, believes in his power, quite specifically his promises for you and me, those that are ratified and proven through his son, and believes that if that same God is working with me, whether I'm building an ark or traveling to a new land or raising a family or whatever I do, by his power, all things are possible, even through me. And by the way, I added that last part because I talked to so many Christians who just feel so terribly inadequate. I can't do that. I can't change that. I can't become that. I know myself. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. Some even go so far as to say, I don't know that I can go to heaven. I just don't see how God could save me. And I've gotten to the point where I just kindly tell them, I know you think you're being humble, but what you're actually doing is questioning the glory and grace and love and power and promises of our great loving father, and his ruling son, Jesus. God isn't asking you to be great. He's asking you to believe in his greatness. And that decision alone will change the way you live your life. The third story early on in Hebrews 11 is Sarah. I like all three of these put together. Noah believed in a day that had never happened before. Abraham believed that he would inherit a land he'd never seen before. And Sarah believed that she would be able to do something she'd never done before. Verse 11 says, by faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Now we know she stumbled about on that and laughed a little, but in the end, we know that she did something miraculous and she bore a child in her old age and a child with incredible significance that led to the construction of the entire Hebrew nation. And what I love about this story is the only thing that she did is she considered him faithful. And that's kind of the story of all of these people. How were they able to do such amazing things and endure so much? They did like she did. They considered him faithful. And then by him, by faith in him, they did some pretty amazing things. And look, that's what I want for you, and I pray you want for me as well. Let's go out and do amazing things. There are some fantastic verbs throughout Hebrews 11, things that people did that no one thought they could do. I want you to be excited about things that may happen that have never happened before, that are awesome. Places you may go where you've never been before in God's name, or even things that you might do that you thought you were long past the season of life to accomplish. But those don't start with you. And if that's where you've been starting, that's why it hasn't been working. It starts with Him, with the hope that you have put in His glory and power and love particularly and specifically, spend some time considering the promises that God has made. Not everything that you hope will happen in your life fits God's will, but every promise God made fits His will and is guaranteed. In line with Noah and Abraham and Sarah, I would just remind you that God has promised that His Son is returning and that there will be a day of judgment and He will embrace the righteous. God has promised that there is a rest called heaven, an inheritance coming to those who live for it. And between now and then, chances are you won't have a child at the age of 90, but there are other things that you can do. God promised that you will bear fruit. He promised it. That John 15, if you are connected to Christ and drawing your strength from him, you will bear great fruit. You will do things for him by his power that were not possible before. And in the meantime... I'm talking about the point between right now and when those promises are realized. Well, let me just quote the Apostle Paul a little bit. In the meantime, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. And maybe that will lead you to quote passages of old with fresh resilience. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ephesians 6.10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I'm guessing your strength is kind of like your faith, growing and pretty good, but riddled with limitations. But I hope you understand and exclaim that our King Jesus suffers from none of those limitations, and it is he and his Father and the Spirit who are at work in you. Just believing that is the crucial beginning to experiencing limitless faith. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email, order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today, in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.